Welcome to Disruption Land. Welcome to Disruption Land. Welcome to Disruption Land. The unconventional take on all things innovation, tech, and transformation. Join us as we explore the ideas and impact that might just change, change the world. Welcome to Disruption Land, a podcast brought to you by the Epicenter community for the purpose of keeping our friends and members, including you, their listeners, a few steps ahead of the curve. I am Hannes Sapiens, and I am your host today for this episode, which is about genetic testing and what it means for you. Short background to the topic. It is well known that the price to read genetic code is rapidly becoming cheaper. We can now do full genome sequencing, meaning converting to computer code the entire 3 billion base pair human genome for a couple of hundred euros. Companies like Nebula Genomics, 23andMe, Ancestry.com and others have become household names. Why is this important? Because it is the beginning of a new paradigm that impacts many parts of society, from manufacturing to food production to healthcare and ultimately how we read and write in the code of life itself. Because as Peter Diamandis of Singularity University has taught us, when a technology becomes digital, it enters a phase of rapid exponential development. In the case of DNA sequencing, it is becoming cheaper, faster and better, and we are still only in the early stages of this development. So what we're seeing, and what I have been talking about many times in other settings, is that the tech paradigm of the 2020s is the paradigm of digital biology. Biology is becoming information technology, and the young generation that are in school today, they will be as comfortable programming living things as their parents are programming computers. This episode of Disruption Land is dedicated to understanding what is happening at the front lines of this development. As you know, dear listeners, Disruption Land is a place where we take bold ideas seriously. In order to understand the big transformative trends out there, we invite knowledgeable experts to discuss and explore them. And as doers and entrepreneurs ourselves, we believe that the best experts to talk to are the ones that are also entrepreneurs, those who are out there fighting every day to create real solutions for real problems for real people. Today, I have the great pleasure to welcome Johan Stömqvist, who is CEO and founder at Single Technologies and PhD in Biological Physics. Welcome, Johan. Thank you very much. Johan, for background, tell us about Single Tech. What is it that you're building with Single Technologies? We build sequencer, DNA sequencer, which is extremely fast, low cost. So basically, it's, the, it's just a production machine for taking physical DNA and transform it into a digital format which computers can read. Brilliant. And I know you have been working with this company for a number of years, but tell me what first opened your eyes to the opportunities that are opened by genetic sequencing? 
We actually didn't build a sequencer from start. We were building a very fast imaging system. I was looking at single cells in the body. We have 37 trillion cells in our body. And I was investigating how they work in essence. So to get statistics, you need to, to study a lot of cells. And current imaging systems are too slow. So we start me and my co-founders, especially Bengt Sargan, a new tech to take large images very, very fast. I mean, 100 times faster to 1,000 times faster, that, that scale. But we realized after a while that actually this was the bottleneck for sequencing. Now we know much more, but at that time we regarded it like that. So that's how we entered this field. But it was basically a discussion with, at that time, the director of Silat Lab here in Stockholm, Mats Nelson, Professor Mats Nelson. He, he was the one that kind of opened our eyes so he, we met him and he was like, come on, guys, we should build a sequencing company together. Interesting. So from your perspective, mm-hmm. this kind of started with that you had tech, like uh, super high resolution cameras that could take very high speed pictures. And then it was all about what should we be looking for with these technologies? Was, was that kind of the entryway? Not really, because we originally we had a tech uh, in the academia where when I was a PhD, correlation spectroscopy, imaging, single molecule imaging, doesn't matter. But we had a clear application to look at how different proteins in the cells interact. And we had a tech to do that. It was more like that the tech that we developed for solving issues related to throughput in that case, we realized that that tech that we developed were more suitable or could bring bigger impact into the life science industry if we put it into the into as a sequencer. And I could say that there are various ways to do this digitization of DNA. I mean, you have image-based sequencing, which we are doing, mm-hmm. which is maybe 80 to 90% of all sequencing is done that way. You have also other companies, instead of having an image or a light as a readout parameter, they are using uh, an electronic electric signal. And you can. that's another way of doing sequencing. So there are various ways. Mm-hmm. What would you say, before we get into specifics, yeah. are sort of the, the trends that drive this field forward? Is it, uh, I imagine there's a number of converging different technologies that are moving the field. Oh, there's so much to say. Of course, it's research in the beginning, but I mean, there are more and more, it's hard to say just one thing. I mean, you have, for example, every pregnant woman today probably do a nip test to identify DNA from her from the fetus mm-hmm. to get information about her baby very mm-hmm. early on. That's one thing. Of course, oncology, if you get cancer, you most likely want to identify which genes are involved in that kind of cancer so you can bring a therapy. You have forensic. Probably here in Sweden, at least, we've discussed a very famous case in Linköping. Very recently, yeah. Right. And I think what drives them, they did so typically in that case, just to give an example, it was driven by to get a, a perfect hit. So you find some some trace on the crime scene and you try to identify, have a database with exactly the same DNA, the hit, so to speak, as, the, mm-hmm. as the, the trace. However, what happened in this case was that they actually, they didn't have a perfect hit, but I could get information out of DNA to track him down by relatives. Or you can even get information about, let's say, where you come from, which area in the world. And I mean, God knows where it will take us. Maybe in the end, you will get a 
uh, an image of the guy who committed a crime just by looking at the, the genetic information. Uh, there, there has been the companies already showing exactly that. Mm. Craig Venters, California right, company. Right. It's that Longevity Inc. who cool. did that a couple of yeah, years back. Yeah, I saw yeah. they had the genomes of, of thousands of people and they compared those to faces and trained the algorithms so they could actually Perfect generate example. faces based on, on genetics, which was very interesting. Which here, Then you hear it. What yeah. drives it? Because then you get, mm. if you're going to train those algorithms, like computer, you need a lot of data, right? Mm. And that's exactly what you guys are technology. Yeah, that's <laughs> what we're taking to market. Exactly, because yeah. that's what we're thinking. You need to have a lot of uh, data. But I just uh, mm? like to go one sort of fundamental step deeper. When I when I think about technologies, I also think about we have the advances in uh, sequencing, which is driven by, of course, improvements in uh, camera technology. We, I mean, in uh, machine learning, obviously, because we can map image recognition. We we can read very large samples with with great detail and also have the machines understand what they see, right? Mm. So uh, those are all enablers to what we then see as different solutions, yeah. such as uh, crime uh, solving and uh, parenthood and um, uh, for the, and diagnosing disease, obviously. So uh, it's many attributes to this field. Yeah. But would you say that the gene sequencing, specifically human gene sequencing as an industry, is still in its early days? Yes, for sure. Why? I regard DNA as a container of, I mean, it's a carrier of information, like a CD-ROM or a USB stick. It's a lot of information in, into that. And, um, but it contains like instructions for the cell. They're not intended for you and me as a person to understand. It's intended for our cells, basically. So there's a lot of instructions there. And um, right now we're on the level, like if you imagine this, all this information stored on a computer, you have different folders, you have different files with only indices or something like that uh, as information about it. It's like, what do you do with this? And we're on the level where we, let's say, if you look at Down syndrome, there might be an extra folder, an extra chromosome. So that's the level. Or if it's the ancient or the old school forensic, you look at repetition regions in within the files. So you don't actually get the information. It's more like patterns that you see how it's in, in the stored information. So it's a huge world in front of us where we're going to go down and actually start to interpret what is actually happening. So that's that's all this, yeah, so much work to do. What we're actually yeah. just looking at, we're looking at the file structure and not exactly. actually reading the, yes. the documents yeah. in there, or right. at, uh, only a few of them at least. Yeah. So yeah. A lot of them, we don't yet understand what they do. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. And what are the um, sort of, if you look at the industry as it is evolving, what are the interesting signs that you see? Are there some interesting trends you've seen lately that makes you feel optimistic about how this is going to evolve? Yeah, I think um, like if you go, what's hot in this business, so to speak? So uh, what's hot is probably those liquid biopsy companies like Grail, Garden, and, and so on. Explain where, liquid biopsies for people. So typically when you get lung cancer you or some kind of cancer you try to get a biopsy to identify what type of cancer and so on and so forth which a biopsy stage, is a cell sample that you extract or a tissue yeah, sample tissue yeah. sample right and uh, of course if you can get information about that tumor or fetus <laughs> it's a baby if you can get that information in the blood like dna leaked from the tumor out in the blood and you can and you can sequence and get information about the tumor that's what liquid biopsies. So that's actually non, to some extent, it's non-invasive. Okay, you take a blood sample, but you, you can then get information 
via the blood, which is really nice. That's very helpful. So instead yes. of having to locate the exact tiny tumor somewhere, you can see indicators. Yeah. In Would you be able to find it in saliva or uh, other dimensions, or is it primarily the blood? You will definitely find uh, the, your DNA in the in the saliva. We know but, that. But I don't know about... I think I have to say no, but I don't know. I might be wrong. <laughs> Let's, uh, that yeah. was just an off-topic. Uh, okay. Mm. So that's, that's one thing. But I... Personally, I think there is, uh, I, I kind of like this Mark, this Zuckerberg initiative where he, you know, in med school or in Wikipedia, it's known that there is about maybe 150 different cell types in the body. And um, my history, when I was doing research, I just noticed, it was many years ago, 15 years ago, something like that, I realized that even if I had cell lines, I could see, I mean, that's one type of cell, only one type of cell. You could see a huge variation among activity among those cells with the tech that I used at that time. And uh, I had some colleagues that worked with like NK cells and T cells, and they could see the, the way they killed other cells was very, very individual. I mean, you could find classes within those types, so to speak. And with this new concept of be, being able to sequence the genes from individual cells, you have 10x, for example, in, in California. And uh, what they found is that there is not like the neuron, it's like different states, different classes of neurons and of other cells. So I think now in this huge project, it's probably not, I mean, they're talking about potentially millions of cells types mm. instead, of, mm. instead of those 150, at least thousands of, I'm sure of, of thousands, but maybe millions. So I think that's a huge potential for the future. Maybe if we can know how our body is structured more in more detail, we can start to build up stuff based on that, which I think is extremely cool. But also, I think you probably heard about this CRISPR-Cas. Obviously, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Talk a lot about that. So, so I just want to mention one thing, connect that with the single cell thing. Because as I understand now, there's some company that actually are using that to, to test on different cells and change, I mean, randomly and look at the phenotype, look at how they act. See how and, they, if they change behavior, yeah, like express and themselves exactly. in other And then you can sequence that. Mm. So you then can get information about what did I do, what happened, mm. and how does it look like? So you start to get information, and that is probably super cool in the future for therapies, for, you know. So that's that, that whole world is, is kind of, but it's, I would say it's more uh, research-based, maybe not for the, for the but, it's it's not productive no, yet, no, no. But it's this yeah. is the the big promise of right. genetic technology. We're right. just beginning yes. to uncover. Yeah, and I, I, as you rightly say, I, we are still many of these ideas are still in research and still far from mainstream application. But we're beginning to see the emergence of a completely new yeah. industry of of a new way of producing, of treating, of of understanding what our bodies do and what the, what the food we eat, etc. But I hope, I kind of hope that, you know, more software companies would go into this world because, um, I mean, they're good in crunching data and all of this stuff. So you need probably to sequence a lot and make sense, use the computers to make sense of it because, I mean, it's, it's hard for a human, especially for a doctor to, to look at you know, those files in this file structure, try to understand. Yeah, so you the need complexity to, is too you need, you need someone that can present the data and uh, make sense out of it, the instructions, basically. And and, and uh, I think soft, there has to be a lot of software invented here. Otherwise, we can't comprehend it. Uh, so that's probably what drives it. Awesome. That That's that's the challenge for uh, the software companies in, in our ecosystem. So yeah. certainly take a closer look at this because yeah. the, the potential here is awesome. Now, speaking of recent events, we've, of course, suffered through a, a pandemic. It's, yeah. it's still ongoing, full steam. It may even be too early to tell 
how it, this is going to evolve. But how do you see that this huge interest in, in genetic tests, in blood tests and virus tests, etc., how, how is that impacting this industry and, and these solutions that we're trying to build? The public th- interest is certainly yeah. there. I think uh, it could be a, a great opportunity for people to understand sequencing because obviously you, you see that it's a, it could be a huge advantage if you can identify who's got the, the virus or not. You can prevent a lot and slow it down to, and yeah, you know, all this information. But what I think is in, interesting is that now, at least in Sweden, we use this qPCR. We actually already from the beginning have to know what you're looking for. So actually, they have to sequence first to be able to get a, this. But but uh, eventually, I mean, if you, you you have to know. So if there is, let's say, a mutation, then potentially you might not identify that. Or if, uh, let's say, you want to look at different, maybe I used it word sloppy here, but strains, you can see that it might have different um, classes of this same of the same virus. You will then need to do several tests, I guess, if you're going to use this qPCR. So it's in, essentially, it's much e- better to sequence the whole genome. It's not so big. It's only 30,000 bases or something like that. So then you can start to see how the, the it's spread. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is happening, of course. But I think uh, it, I mean, it would definitely help if we would sequence instead of doing this qPCR. That's my opinion. But I'm not, I don't know exactly about the, I mean, the logistics before. You have to do a lot of things before, which I haven't thought is true. But this before. is super interesting, Ewan, mm-hmm. because it's, uh, you rightly point out that the infrastructure is lacking for us to truly exploit the value of, of gene. But Iceland did testing. it. Iceland, Iceland did it yeah, because we, they already had sequenced their entire population. What we're seeing are initiatives. Uh, wait a minute, sequence virus, right? You don't right, but they also have the bi- yeah. Maybe they have from before. They, yeah, were, they have the okay. population. So the, oh, the yeah. genetic technology infrastructure yeah, is uh, very right. developed mm. in in uh, Iceland because yeah. they have been sequencing the population for decades already. Right, right, right. So the labs were there and the smart people were oh, there. Oh, yeah. And, and the understanding of the application of technology was there, something which yeah. we have been lacking. So the kind of solutions that we see is that, oh, let's build a COVID app. Yeah, because the infrastructure there, because everyone has phones, but what will you actually get from a COVID app on your phone? <laughs> it's kind of silly in my view. Yeah, oh, I feel like I have a fever or I'm coughing, which could be a million yeah. things. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's That's so where crude, yeah. but it's what we do because mm. when you only have a hammer, when you're looking for yeah. nails, Exactly. Uh, but seriously, what we would need in this instance is smartphone type sequencers. Yeah. Every single person should, of course, have a sequencer. You should, <laughs> you should ventilate into agree. it every day. I might not agree there. But <laughs> well, it could be opt-in, obviously, <laughs> okay, but you yeah. could, you could breathe into it yeah. every day right. and it would tell you whether you had the virus or not for real, mm-hmm. not just by way of an app. Right. There's been this, you know, you have Oxford Nonipore, they, mm-hmm. they had, this are the well, portable sequences. Yeah, a USB stick. I mean, there are some applications, long reads. I mean, there are for sure applications for that and it's growing. But I mean, as I see it, their they, little USB sticks becomes bigger and bigger for each day. So soon it's as big as a, as a, a Lumina sequencer or ours. But so I, I think at this stage, this is now we're in the phase of learning things to get the out. We need to feed the algorithm. And in this stage, I think it's a um, big machine. You send, you know, you can transport DNA quite easily. So that's not a big deal. So you transport it somehow and um, you generate the data. So the customer wants to have it. How fast can I get it and what price? That's what they mm-hmm. ask for. It. They don't necessarily have to do it themselves if it's fast enough. But I see where you're going. I think that could be, let's say, another 
stage in the in the future where you actually once you have developed all of this algorithm and, and you, you right get the, simplify the yeah, technology then maybe you're only after a couple of you know genes or there's some for example already covid maybe you only identify you want to know if it's there so maybe maybe you could do that for sure but uh, but it's um I, i can see the scenario but i think uh, at this time we're in now i think it's more you know getting the data out and use algorithms you have we have to do all the the studies we need to get a lot smarter before before we yeah, can approach that point with putting these mm-hmm. devices in everybody's hands i yeah. I, i understand yeah, that yeah, point which sure. is quite valid yeah. then again if you ask someone in uh, you know in in the 1980s do you want a smartphone with a mm-hmm. camera and social media in your pocket they would have said nah <laughs> so obviously this I, takes time right yeah of course mm-hmm. it would be nice uh, i'm just I, i think that i did uh miscalculations about the user user perspective they don't necessarily i mean you you don't want to spend an hour doing it yourself we can just ship it within two minutes to someone and you get the end results better and sooner so there's no reason but if you find something that can do all these things really stuff really fast and then, then i'm, 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 I'm sure we'll get there at some sure. point but i agree with yep. you that quality matters here Uh, so you may not want to do this, uh, you know, in any setting, and actually rely for diagnostic purposes on right. And also, and also, I mean, for example, the DNA. I mean, you probably once, if it's your DNA, then you have the RNA, and you have the viruses and the bacteria that you want to microbiomes. Eat. Exactly, uh, whatever. that that is something, of course, that you have to do regularly. That's that's true. But I mean, where we are now with the the whole genome, it's like it's there's a lot of things we can do with that. So it's not. Not, I would say that there's so much we can do already now. <laughs> before we, before <laughs> we work has just started. Yeah, yeah. Before people yes. start uh, swiping their noses <laughs> yeah. every day with yeah. DNA sequences, right, right. we need to do the basics. Yeah. I totally respect that. Still, Johan, we have talked about this before, but I think that genetic testing is valuable for everyone to try and to familiarize themselves with. Mm-hmm. And we often think about this technology in, in sort of niche applications, like, okay, we need it for a crime scene investigation or we need it for diagnosing cancer. Mm. But would you agree that genetic testing is, is ultimately for everyone, for young and old and when, men and women and healthy uh, and athletes, as well as the people who suffer from, from illnesses? Yeah, definitely. I, I think when you look at 23andMe, I think uh, what I kind of, yeah, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff but i think actually the social part of it is pretty interesting that you can you can actually someone in the past you know you share that person with someone in new york and you can actually get her linkedin or facebook profile and you can start talking with that person i think that's pretty amazing thing in itself then of course they have this other part where you can look at the health data and that is that is um well that's interesting and then you have the third part <laughs> would actually make money out of you. And that's something for the future. And I think everyone has to be aware of that, that you have gold in yourself. Mm. And uh, that's worth something also for others, not only for you. Mm. So that's a different aspect. But I think in all states, even when you start, even if it's not for you as a, as a child, your parents are interested in you, yeah, for sure. For your mother, that's, your life starts with your mother checking your DNA. That's, can you imagine that? And when you get, of course, when you get ill, you will, if you get, 
cancer, there will be some some kind of investigation of your genes and so on. And I so think forth. there is a spectrum actually of, of interesting use cases before you get cancer because there are many lifestyle dimensions yeah. that also relate to genetics, like vitamins or yeah. exercise or or the possibility yeah. to deal with uh, alcohol and uh, caffeine, among other things. Right. I was just going to say, and then you have this uh, where they look at age. See how long you can live. Yeah, so, so, so that's what also they they are so they are sequently hundred years old people. That's also interesting. But coming back to that, yeah, I think uh, I think that's also super interesting. How you live your life because you're not determined by your DNA. I mean, you you can affect it with the way you live and how your parents lived, lived and so on, epigenomics and you know all all of this kind of stuff. So you can definitely affect a lot. So that would be for me. I, I anyway, as a private person would thought it was pretty interesting if I have a diet or if I work out, how does that affect, uh, let's say, my which genes are expressed in some which cells and so on. So, um, so I think um, that could be interesting to, to, let's say, take a blood sample or something like that. Or maybe saliva. Saliva could probably... Saliva does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can look at RNA in that, right? Also, there's... I don't know which cells you have in saliva, but epithelial cells. We leave that question uh, open, but Mm -hmm. principally, yes, I see that... uh, Gene application for... uh, Or gene testing for diagnosing of diseases has one value, but definitely also as a lifestyle factor. For example, Mm. to to give a personal example, when I did a a genetic test a couple of years back, I learned that I have a gene variant that makes it a lot harder for me to absorb vitamin B12. I mean, I had no idea, obviously, before, but then I have to get more B12 from my diet. That means that B12 is part of, uh, you can only get that from meats and and dairy. Uh, So it means that for me, it's valuable to have an animal component to my diet in order to to keep my values in balance. Mm-hmm. And those kind of insights I find are useful to everyone, not just the pretty small number of people who have some serious inheritable risks for certain diseases. Yeah. Have you done a genetic test yourself? I'm sure you've done a few, right? <laughs> I, I'm going to sequence myself with our own sequencer. So that's, that's why I haven't done it. But of course, I have colleagues that done it. So, but um, I, it's by purpose. I want to. I want to do it myself, basically. <laughs> It'll be a nice press release. You simply put put it all online uh, without any. Uh, yeah, but I, I just want to say also this uh, again. I think uh, you have the world of. I mean, STDs. You have. You you probably will get. If I mean, that's something that you most likely will do. You think sequencing in the future? Mm-hmm. Who knows? They don't, they don't do it now, but it, they will, I guess. And uh, then you have, uh, you have this company. Uh, it's called Car Carius or something like that. They are looking at um, bacteria in in the blood, for example. And they kind of claim, as I understand it, that they can very early on detect stuff before you are ill. You can actually detect that you will. Come ill, <laughs> so, so it's a uh, it's kind of fascinating things that could show up. I mean, who wouldn't you want to be not ill if you could? I mean, if you it'll do. be worth a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, so, it could be. So um, definitely a, yeah. an, an opportunity. If to, you think about it in that way, you, typically now you only do actions after you become ill. But now, also with the COVID, you you actually people are like, I'm going to my to my parents, but I want to do I want to check if I have something yes right in, before I go there. Of course. Uh, to see if I, I've got something because then I won't go. So in that case, it's not actually, I, I feel good, but I want to do it anyway. 
So, but Johan, uh, yeah. we are, uh, so l- there's one more thing yeah. I want to ask you, and this is th- the application of uh, genetic testing in the perspective of pharmagenomics. Mm, yeah, right. Which is uh, the observation that the genes I have actually will influence to a quite significant extent the effect of different medications yes. I may take. Yeah. So, if a person with a certain gene variant <clears throat> takes a certain medication, it may not have the standard effect. Mm. Mm-hmm. And today, doctors and also pharmacists, they really don't know this at all about the patient. They will prescribe the standard medication without checking uh, the if the person has those genes or not. Yeah. What What are your uh, learnings from yeah, that I, uh, <clears throat> particular application? Try to learn this more and more. But uh, as I see it, I mean, there's some stuff forgotten here. First, I want to say that there are even some medications if you've got cancer where you can die of the medications if you have a certain genetics. Uh, so they have to check that before they give you the, 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 the drug, which is kind of interesting. It's not the cancer itself. It's a drug you die, that it could die of. But one thing, when I talked with one of the MDs specialized in this, he kind of pushed the dose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People don't think about the dose so much. So you can actually, the dose is today, as I understand it, is like male female, <laughs> age, maybe weight, mm. but that is not actually how it should be done. So it's very crude. It's yeah. extremely crude. So there are like very thin women that could have a, you know, a really strong, uh, it, maybe they need a little dose, a small dose, and the opposite with a big guy, mm. so on. Mm. So that's something that at least people might not think about so, so much. So that's more, maybe a, clo- a very more, close to the market application where, and I think in Netherlands, I think that they are quite on this. Uh, they have something called gene passport or something like that. So they are really progressive in this field. I don't exactly if it's dose or drugs, how, it, how it's affected, but they have it and you own it. And uh, before you get a drug, somehow you so <laughs> you would share that with it, a, it's easy a, a to, pharmacist. to see how that that should be done right i mean i think it's super easy. i yeah, think you should own your dna but that's uh, my opinion 100%. no i i think so at least yeah. you should own it and and have full control over who you share it with yeah uh, but we can easily imagine what you describe here because mm-hmm. if i have my sequence and then i go to the pharmacy and then it's very simple thing where i okay the pharmacy can just ping my data set they don't need to see the data set they only ask a specific yeah. question we're looking if you have these two gene variants right. and if you do then you know this medication is not for you you will or have dose. to look at another one or yeah. the dose exactly yeah. and that has to for me urgently be uh, be brought into yeah. I think it could be, and they, there is, I mean, they are pushing this, the MDs at, here in Sweden at least, to get there, I know that. So I think it's coming, but I, I think integrity is a big thing, you, you didn't mention that, but, but I think that's actually, if you're going to bring this to the masses, you will, you know, there, are, there is always those first mover, I mean, those first movers that will, that will use it. But I think integrity is something that stops many from just yeah, send it the way to China or whatever 100%. to sequence because that's where it's cheap, cheap is right now. It's actually right. China, <laughs> and they're the biggest service provider in the world. They have ninety percent of the sequencing capacity, <laughs> yeah. as far as I learned, or at least biggest customer for the Right. Yeah. So, so I think uh, integrity is something that, and um, I th- personally, as I said, I think it's very, very important that I should own my own DNA. It's my goal. If <laughs> if you want to, you know get something out of it, you have to pay for it, basically. So I kind of, I want to change the... But under European data protection laws, it actually works oh, pretty much that way, yeah, right? Because good. you own um, you own your information, and if you have given them to supplier, you can always yeah. 
ask them to remove that data because it still belongs to you. Right. So I think we're, we're working towards well-working right. solutions for that, but it needs the whole value chain of different players. I mean, the pharmacists need to understand what to ask for, the right. data storage companies, together with the sequencing companies. Another dimension yeah. I wanted to, to check with you was this, right, when you speak about, yeah, every individual should have access to their, their genome and be mm-hmm. able to share it and, and query it uh, in, in the exactly. right times. But exactly. we also see uh, another conversation which was made uh, very critical in the early days of the COVID pandemic, which is that country, a nation, needs to have access to resources in order to do produce masks or ventilators or do genetic sequencing. Mm. And yeah, here we are saying that, okay, China has 90% of the sequencing capacity of the world. What does Sweden have? Do we have enough resources to sequence all the things we want to do? Is this a national interest even? It is. We have also a national provider of sequencing here in Stockholm NGI. And I know that Folkhälsomyndigheten are... I don't know the English word for that, but um, they um, actually one of our board members put up. He was head of NGS there, so he he started initiated that initiative. Awesome. So they they have uh, resources as well. I think actually I'm surprised that countries are not pushing. And yes, maybe there's something that I missed here because it's only thirty thousand base. This and um, a human genome is about three billion bases. Mm. So we're talking about. Per human genome, it's like 100,000. Factor. Exactly. So you could basically have, for each person you sequence, whole genome, you could have 100,000 of COVID. Maybe there's something I misunderstand here, but but, uh, it should be... should be possible if it's feasible i don't know but it should be possible to do it and it shouldn't cost that much when it comes to covid so i i really resources in this aspect i think I, there will definitely be i mean if you're gonna do this whole genome sequencing of everything liquid biopsies uh, and so on and so forth then the Daily capacity liquid biopsies. yeah then the cap- capacity is too low and the price, I mean, it's outrageously, uh, I mean, you won't be able to do it if it's 10,000 Swedish crown, $10,000 right. to, to see. You so can only price do... Price is, is the factor, but we also know that it's, it's a matter of investing in, in, again, in infrastructure, in resources and in facilities. Yeah, yeah. To but, simply grow that capacity. Right. Yeah, I, I, I think, I know, I, I mean, there is probably, the market is what it is with this current price setting. If you would drop the price, the market would expand hugely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think um, as the price goes down, you, the, re, the amount of resources going to increase. We need to have more res, resources. But right now, at this pricing, maybe it's good enough. Check in, in the next situation again. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. You want, well, yeah. I have a final question for sure. you. And this sure. is um, what would you say that we would need to have to make genetic testing available to greater numbers of people? And with this, I yeah. don't mean just the testing capacity itself, but also the understanding yeah. broadly about what this technology can do. Mm. So, I mean, you have these hurdles if you're going to, you know, transfer, you have this little nano piece of hard drive in you <laughs> and uh, you want to basically get it into your computer, get this file structure that I've talked about. So assuming that is smooth, we've solved that. Let's say we've solved that. So it's certain price, we can do it efficiently and so on. Then would that solve the problem? No, it wouldn't. Because without, you know, you need, um, let's say a quick time viewer, you need something to show what's in you, for you. <laughs> Somebody has to develop these kind of software Google of your yeah, genome. the interfaces, the dashboards. Exactly. The, the or, graphs. Or, exactly. Somebody, I mean, you have to, 
invent this to, to otherwise it's just information it's like having a computer with only ones and zero of course it is but if you only see ones and zeros you don't see anything else it's totally nobody can comprehend it maybe a few but most can't so there's got to be more software i'm trying to push that a lot mm. there's got to be more software otherwise people it will only be a, a small right uh, and percentage. it's all about the applications right there has to be Definitely. the application yes. for checking in terms of medicine or checking in terms of diet and it yeah. should be as simple as checking your email ultimately okay so is should i eat this food or not or should i take this medication or not based on on my gene profile yeah and and all the rest that you don't even can think about right now <laughs> i don't know dating, you know, whatever. Could be anything. We have this social media, you know, where how, how we express ourselves and we talk with each other, but there is this whole universe inside of us which we don't really know anything about. Most of us maybe don't even care. <laughs> but um, it's just a matter of time. Johan, I think that's a brilliant rounding comment. And for sure, the group of people who truly care about this technology, you're a wonderful representative of that group. And let's hope that this podcast shares that inspiration and idea to a lot more. Thank you very much for coming by Disruption Lab. Thank you, Anna. Thanks for joining us here in Disruption Lab. To visit us again, just subscribe to Disruption Land Podcast. This podcast is produced by Epicenter, the house of digital innovation. Discover all about our vibrant tech and business community and inspiring workspaces at weareepicenter.com.